out to be completely unreliable assholes. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Ryan. It's good to be here. Good to be back. And hello, everyone. This is another episode of Dismembering Horror. Thanks for being here. That's right. I usually shake your hand. Oh, good yeah, to see you. Yeah, good good morning. See you this is great to be back. Uh, <laughs> and I say when I, I say that, I mean we had backlogged tons of episodes, and this is our first time being back in the studio for a while. We're going to be back on this regular schedule, this, real time more. The studio, right? <laughs> <laughs> If you only knew how glamorous this studio is. Well, I mean, also, in all fairness, if you knew what I was looking at, which is like you in headphones with a microphone, you know, behind a pop filter. You know. It's a studio. It's official. Anyways. um, (laughs) Officially my closet. How's it going? (laughs) It's going great. Great. I'm excited that we almost recorded our episode last night, but I'm feeling way more primed and caffeinated. Yeah. Just woke up excited to do it. Me too. This was an exciting movie. Um, yeah, so so was there anything else? Can we... You look great. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I did want to say, this, <laughs> since this is our first time, you know, as I said, um, recording since we've released our podcast too, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who has oh, listened. Yeah, definitely. Um, specifically, I know I have a couple friends who uh, have been the more consistent listeners, David and Jesse. Thank you very much for listening. Hi, David and Jesse. <laughs> and then um, big thanks, too, to uh, actually not not direct friends. It means a lot, but my friend told me he has two friends who are now friends of ours who have been listening consistently and looking forward to episodes, Kat and Stefan. So thank you both for Kat and Stefan for listening. Hi, Kat and Stefan. <laughs> it's really cool. So uh, I hope you hear this one and... Uh, yeah, hope you hope you continue to enjoy it. I can't wait to the day that one of the four of you like stalks us <laughs> or, or or just me, just stalk me. Can somebody stalk me please? <laughs> I just want to be stalked. I say that now, but um maybe 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 I'll regret just, that. You just want a good-natured stalking. Yeah, good-natured stalking. Great. Is there any other kind? I am I I forget caffeine does does do I don't normally have coffee, Ooh. but I was like, this is a special morning, Tim. Anyway, well, we we got a lot to say about this movie. Let's get do. let's get into it. We so what did we see last night? Where do we? See? Let's talk about where we last saw it. night. We went to the Los Feliz Three. Such a good theater. Walking walking distance from our studio. Here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, the bigger of the three screens, if you've been there, and yeah, I was saying when we walked in that I've. Every time I've gone there, which is, I don't know, at least half a dozen times, I've only ever been in that one yeah, theater. The very hor- the horizontal, it's the most horizontal theater yeah. I've been yeah, it's to. Like, it's, it's wider than shallow. it is. Yeah. I like it though. But it's got But a- I have no context for the other ones. So you said they were smaller. They're very small. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. But it's, you know, a different experience. I'm fine with small. Yeah. I saw a mother in one of the smaller ones and it was still great. Oh, cool. I saw Hereditary in, in the one that we were in. Yeah. Ooh boy. Yeah. It's that was a. In, actually, I also saw uh, a Quiet Place in in the same theater. Right. Those are. Yeah. It's a. It's a cool theater. Very very quick. If you're wondering, Hereditary, I loved Quiet Place. I did the opposite of love. Really? I did not like it at all. No, that's okay. I I I like both of them a lot. Totally different. Yeah. Um. But, but we went. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, the one of the reasons I really like that theater, is the. It feels like the people who are going to see these movies in that theater 
are really, really into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As opposed to when you go to some multiplex or whatever and you – I very rarely have the experience at the Los Feliz 3 that I have in other big theaters where it's like somebody's doing something that makes me want to explode. Yeah. You know, like just being disrespectful or, or whatever, obnoxious or just – on their phone, all of that stuff. You don't get that at Los Feliz 3. It's great. Yeah. Close to the Vista, which is the same right. company down the street from it. Yeah. Um, well, this, this movie has been hyped up. Let's, let's, let's get to it. Yes. We saw fantasy extraordinaire Mandy. Under the crimson primordial sky, the wretched warlock reached into the dark embrace. His fist closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. I need you to get me that girl I saw. Do you know what to do? And it is awesome. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't care what you think. It's uh, awesome. <laughs> we're going to find out. But no, no. I agree with you. But before we do our, our ratings, should we do our summary of it? Sure. Yeah. Do you want to do it or you want me to do it? I'd love to hear yours. Oh, you want to hear mine? Okay. I'm going to do a really quick, easy one. <laughs> in in the shadows of the... Uh, the, oh, they're called the Shadow Mountains. <laughs> In the Shadows of the Shadow Mountains by Crystal Lake. Did you catch that one? Yep. Um, a logger, Nicholas Cage, and his, I assume, wife. They have different last names. Oh, okay. So his girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, Mandy, um, lives sort of a secluded life in the woods. And they are... Uh, uh, a, a a cult leader, sort of a, 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 a fanatic cult leader dude and his people um, target Mandy and come after her because the, the cult leader needs her. Um, and he he uh, he also is sort of a LSD runner um, of some sort, and he recruits a, a group of bikers to track her down. And then they go after her and, you know, stuff happens that's horrifying and makes Nick Cage Red Miller is his character's name. Um, uh, yeah. Go ballistic without giving anything away. That That's basically my summary. But what I'm leaving out is that this movie is like completely out of this world in the like fantasy Oh, it's 1983. It is so 1983. Like everything is 1983. It's so. It, this was like a warm bath of nostalgia for me. Yeah, it was like where I was wearing nostalgia underwear, um, and nostalgia socks. <laughs> well, and as a far nostalgia as nostalgia hat. A quick summary goes. That's though. it. That's my summary. <laughs> the log line. That couldn't. I'm. I'm not. I don't want to complain though because I know I. I'm the king of run-on summaries, but that that's probably exactly <laughs> what I would have said. But the one thing I wanted clarification on was you said this this uh, this leader character, yeah, he he needed Mandy. What do you mean by that? Uh well, he so the the uh, the the van full of 
cult people. They probably have a name, right? Yeah, here he it's funny cuz he says like these these Jesus freaks, hippie freaks. He refers to them. That's right. That's both right. those terms. Yeah. Um they drive Mandy is having a smoke and a and a reed along a wooded road and they drive past her and they like meet eyes and Jeremiah yeah. is captivated by her and feels that like god or jesus right or some that she, entity that she called that, that yeah that she was calling to him it's her fault <laughs> right whether she knew it or not right it was it was meant to be in his crazed obsessed yeah eyes um cool that's i mean i mean we hope you've seen it if you're listening to it but that's just it's we, we like to have fun with uh how would we describe it what is what is our lens going yeah. into this i i mean that's the thing with this movie there's so much going on that even a even a sort of simple brief summary really does not scratch the surface of what this movie is like the best of movies it's the feel that yeah makes it great it's the world you go to yeah and i don't know how i mean we'll we'll try but i don't know how you concisely describe that feel in the like with this movie hopefully by the end it will um it'll permeate through (laughs) yeah um when we talk about i think i mean that's what i connect to and to 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 transition into how we rated it that's how that's what i loved about it is it really did take me to a world and have and was was feel focused um totally so what would you rate this in our rating system um well so far i think i i can't remember if i've if i've said buy this for any movie I'm neither sure of us have, have said it i would i would go almost a step further and say like buy this multiple times <laughs> <laughs> it's so look don't don't get me wrong this is probably not everybody's flavor but if you like horror films there's a there's probably a good chance that you have at least some um not well nostalgia or or just uh what do you call it when you just have affection for Mm -hmm. you know movies of the late 70s and 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 80s or so because there's a lot of quintessential horror films in that realm um i guess in any realm but like we attach to those the (laughs) This it, it it feeds that so well that like I couldn't say enough to say like y- you you need to see this if you even slightly like stuff from that era like you you need to see this movie so spend your money on it. We'll get into this more later, but just to, that that's totally tr- true. But I think what is also true is that someone who's far enough removed from that era could enjoy it even. In, in such oh. a different way, maybe just as much, if not more, because it's so entirely its own thing versus, you know, coming yeah. in to it from that perspective. Um, yeah. So I, I, I wonder, I mean, I'd love to hear like, you know, I don't know, a, 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 like a, a, a 20 year old, how old, how, when were you born? If you're 20 right now, 88. Yeah. yeah. So, no, no, no. That's no 98. <laughs> that's oh 10 God. years off. um no actually i i follow shout out to oh no i'm so i don't know if he'll hear this but shout out to someone i follow on instagram in the horror community we follow Mm, is named john joe lyons and he's like a british guy super into horror movies and he just started uni as they call it there oh yeah and um i think he said like this is his 
favorite favorite movie of all time kind of thing I, I was flipping out about oh it, so, so yeah oh, if he's starting college yeah he's, yeah he's 20 ish yeah 18 ish exactly dude sweet that's awesome <laughs> right so i would i i i want to i this is the first one too i'm feeling inclined to say buy it just because i would be happy to have it on my shelf it's so its own I mean, yeah, as much as we'll get into as it exists in homage, it's also entirely, I mean, you know, like the best Tarantino movies where it just does that so effectively that it's also its new enjoyable thing. I don't know. Yeah. So I'd be happy to have it on my shelf. I, I'm like so picky with what movies I buy these days. Like I don't really buy anything these days, even if I love it. So our rating system, as far as if I would buy it, if I would rent it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it's got to be a pretty but I, far out movie for me to buy yeah. the hard copy of. Like, I'll buy digital stuff here and there, but mm-hmm. the, the actual hard copy, mm-hmm. it's pretty rare. I think the last hard copy movie I bought was Mad Max Fury Road. You yeah. Know? So that sort of... Which, if you can get the black and chrome edition on it, that's the way to watch it. You know, I should look. Well, I think somebody stole it from me, so I can't look. <laughs> it's that good. I can't find it. Somebody that should stole be our it new from rating system after buy it is steal it. <laughs> steal it. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking um, when I was listening to some of our, uh, as we were releasing episodes, how there's a couple times that I, I mentioned that I'm like, don't, don't spend money on this thing which i felt i feel a little guilty saying that because it's like people are making their art and you know they deserve to get paid for it but on the flip side if their art is offensive maybe not i don't know well that's and, why and we have it's, stream it so. as a as a category because right, it's right. like i'm still supporting it it's still yeah. like you know money's going into it somehow like we give it one more view on netflix sure. or it was on prime or whatever yeah I, I guess i just i feel a little guilty saying don't spend money on something just because it's like, I don't know. But there's other things to spend money on. That's true. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I give this a, yeah, I'd, I say own it, Ryan, if this is us talking to ourselves, I'd say it'd be nice just to be able to put it right on and watch it in its full Blu-ray glory. Yeah. Um, yeah, because how it looked was one one thing I loved about it, which do you want to get into what worked for us? Dude, let's get into it. What worked for you? 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 What worked there was an opening quote that was something like, um, it, God, God. Oh, that's right. Me- yeah. I forgot do you remember exactly what it quote. S- said? It was, if I die, you know, bury me deep or deeper or something like that. It was and, like, put, and like put, uh, put speakers at my feet and, and headphones, headphones on my on head. head. And rock and roll me to death, or something like until that. I'm de- yeah, until I'm, yeah, yeah, something I about that. Well, whatever I'm that. Amazed quote that I remember was, even part of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it rhymed. It was great. Yeah, um, so good. But for me, it was like it, it put me right into the like you know a good opening quote in a movie does. It puts you right into the right, the, the correct like frame of mind, yeah. and like your soul goes right to what it did for me was. I like imagined I put myself into that position, I guess. Yeah. And in a, like in, in a coffin buried deep. Well, like yeah, not so literally. <laughs> Listening to some heavy metal. It just made me go, yes. Like when I'm 
Like when I'm listening to like rock music, rock song or whatever, and that feeling you get when it's, it's, when it is the best thing ever and you're just going, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. Like it, it reminded me of that and put me in that mindset. Dude. So, so kudos. That was a great way. Great quote to start it off with. Yeah. It just, yeah. I mean, anytime, anytime you can be that effective at setting a tone, like it's so important, I think for filmmakers in, in the very first moments of a movie to, to be like, this is what you're getting into. Like, like to be very sort of overt about what movie you're about to step into because it primes the pump. It gets you sort of fired up and ready for the thing. And this can work in a bad movie. You know what I mean? Like this is a little bit of a tangent, but it, it proves a point. Uh, in the um, not so great G.I. Joe movie, which I think is called Rise of Cobra. It's the one with Channing Tatum and and other people. And in the first action scene, a a bad guy jet or flying plane of some sort literally like stops in midair and spins around and shoots rockets and it's like you instantly know you're like oh this is the movie i'm in i'm in a movie where a jet can stop in midair and turn around right so you right away you you let go of a lot of sort of oh, this needs to fit into a certain logic thing or it needs to like follow certain rules. It's like, here are the rules of this movie. And right. that, I think that's really important in the beginning of a movie well, to set that tone. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, what you're saying, I guess, more is, yeah, it's it's always, it's always in any movie, you always want to start off with letting the audience know what kind of movie it is straight off the bat. Yeah. But I think why this opening quote and good opening quotes do that and then more is because they they put you at a more like ephemeral, non-literal feel place from then which that is the context which you're viewing those first things from. Yeah, I get you. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's because it's sort of like, I mean, it's sort of like when you're reading a book, right? It's like it's up to your brain to kind of decipher it and like put yourself in that world. Mm -hmm. So there, there's got to be something about, it's sort of a, Hmm, this is interesting. It's like, it's like a a, a version of show don't tell. It, it, it that it, it's it's a different version of that. It's sort of like, weirdly, it's like tell don't show, in this particular context, <laughs> yeah. so that your brain can can create the the feel based on the writing that yes. you're, that you're reading, which is really the non literal cool meaning. Yeah, the, yeah, I um, like that. Cool. I want to I wanna ask you what worked for you next, but I just had one more thing that was staying in chronological order. Dude, I have so many things that I think it's like we need to just okay. bounce back and forth. Great. Cause, okay, so right after, you know, that, that opening quote, which pulled me in already, what pulled me in more was the, the opening credits. What was firing? I mean, of oh, course yeah. it was working because of the King Crimson music, Dude. the awesome like red text and the font. Yeah. But what what made it like really click for me? And you just it's just a subtle thing. As many times as we've seen that shot, even as opening credits nowadays, especially of like the drones going right, like directly over the forest. Sure. This was um, the the 
the brightness was so dim mm -hmm. and the color was so specific that just that little difference made it unto its own. And like yeah. having that bold red text over this darkened thing where it was like, yeah. oh, the, are those trees? Those are trees, okay? Yeah. You know, they, that was unique enough where it can show like you just do something that's been done before a little differently and that's all you need to do. I, I wonder, they, whatever, wherever this was, I mean, I think it was shot in Canada or I don't remember. I didn't look it up, um, but it's Pacific Northwest for sure. Um, something about the forest that they picked to to fly over the and I guess the angle that they're kind of shooting at those pine trees look almost like kind of groovy stars mm. and there's this weird almost like what am i looking at feel that that you know it's it doesn't matter it's creating sort of this odd sense and uh and like while we're you know a lot of the time you're kind of you're you're flying over with these drone shots very often you're flying over um sort of from south to north right like the 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 image is falling through the frame mm -hmm. from top to bottom. And in this, they kept changing the angle kind of, I mean, I don't know if it was random, but at, at various times they changed the angle. So at one point we're going south to north and then we're going southeast to northwest suddenly. And it's just, it's not, it, it it's creating this sense of sort of off kilterness and it's changing kind of at feels feels like random times. So suddenly you're like, you're you're just your brain is just getting used to going in one direction, and they're like, suddenly you're in this other off kilter angle. Yes. And that created. I mean, it actually made me kind of go, oh, this is like warping my brain a little bit already. Perfect. Well, what that I think brain warping is is like it's. And this, this is, I'm going to jump to now the ending because it's emblematic of what you just got at. What that brain warping I think is, is like, it's, it's putting us on shaky ground exactly. as far as what is real and what's fantasy, like in our own world by, mm -hmm. by sort of having a mix between our world and a fantasy world yeah. in, in this film, um, which it, it delves in. I mean, what it, in it. It, it shoots to that direction different ways. You have like the literal way of LSD being like a prominent mm -hmm. sort of, I don't know, feature or tool in it of like what is real, what isn't real sort of getting to that vibe. But then in some of the filmmaking touches, like little things like saying when you said it takes place in 1983, it says the location 1983 AD, like yeah. it has a fantastical element to it, which sort of, brings the feel of where we don't really associate 1983 present times as being something that um, where, where fantasy can actually exist in or is it going to be a part of lore? Like, you know, we only think of <laughs> olden times right. doing that. So, and then, and then more literally at the ending, um, the last shot, to jump ahead is like the ending last shot is where when it goes up it's like there's a crazy moon or planets or oh, something like so that good. in the sky yeah it's like a map painting almost. right so it's like right when we think maybe okay this is just a story about him in the northwest canada or whatever it's like okay but this this is also like in some kind of 
crossover fantasy world what is it but yeah. it's not and that uncertainty is what makes it so i don't know effective and magical and whatever we were saying yeah i think sort of going off of that like just the the design of this world it, it is it's so fucking cool i mean it's so metal it's so like 19 late 70s early 80s metal fantasy like this is the shit that that like Conan the Barbarian was like based off of the the artwork that was around this. It's um oh my I, god, this filmmaker should make reboot Conan. Wouldn't that be so? Can you imagine? I want to see him do like more fantasy creature. Absolutely, things. yeah. So there's a there's a really famous artist that sort of was like the dude doing fantasy artwork. I think mostly late seventies, early eighties, um, probably late seventies. I mean he he had been around for a long time, but he he really hit his stride with this fantasy stuff. Look him up because his stuff is so beautiful. Um, his name is Frank Frazetta. And there are other people who did this stuff for sure. Um, in fact, there's a there's a documentary on He-Man that talks about him. He-Man was like w- largely inspired by Frank Frazetta's stuff. Mm. Um, and it's just it's just so cool i don't know how else to describe it it's like the coolest shit ever and i wonder if this is a gender thing like i think it's cool because i was a dude you know in the like in the early 80s who like grew up on stuff like he-man and conan and and that sort of what was being made at that time um but like my i remember my brother was reading the the lord of the rings trilogy it was like i was too young for that i would just i and i think frazetta actually did the covers for the ones he was reading uh, or the the copies that he was reading but i would just stare at the cover art it's just it's the coolest shit ever it's like these weird dudes with shields and horn helmets and and like <laughs> well, giant swords that- and on horses or on monsters it create it's the that fantasy world is so appealing to me and you don't really see it at least not done well i mean not to say that it was actually done well back in the 80s either like in terms of actual live action stuff it did enough to get us into that world dude it's so cool and they really they do a couple really simple things in the beginning of this movie to set that up um one of them is when when nick cage i'm just gonna call him nick cage because or should I call him Whatever. by his name? Interchangeable. Red Miller Red is Miller. the character name. So when Red, he you know, he's logging and he comes home from a, a long day of logging. Um, <laughs> logging meaning cutting down trees, guys. All right? it's I don't mean like logging data. God. Oh, that's what we were obviously thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is brilliant, by the way. You set up the chainsaw first, first moment. Oh, yeah. Just set it up. Um, anyway, so he goes home and he, and he sees his wife and his wife's wearing a Motley Crue shirt and it's got a pentagram on it. It's like we, and she's got like the longest black hair. Like we know where we are. Yeah. And then they, um, you see what she's drawing, which is very much this fantasy artwork. Like she's an artist and she's drawing some of that stuff. And there's, there's this sort of transitional imagery before he gets home that is, very up close and it's 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 of sketches of that artwork and it's kind of phasing different images over each other and Mm. when he gets home he sees the artwork and they talk and then they go to bed and then 
the camera kind of moves up to the sky and the, the clouds in the sky become quintessentially this fantasy artwork brush stroke stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, fucking where are we? I don't care. It's awesome. Right. Well, it's great because she is the one who's a fan of this stuff, not only in drawing it, but the book that she's reading. Oh, yeah, that's right. That has like a cover that's the exact style you're talking about. And it's great. We get excerpts from the book, Mm -hmm. kind of. We get to see it. And I I guess this is a thing of note, but um, that was uh, custom artwork. You know, the book is made for for the film. Oh, was it? Cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I wondered if it was a real book or not. mm Mm-hmm. But... Dude... So oh, man, I, where do we go next? Um, well, I can... Um, <laughs> so much. It's so good. I mean, I like that she was the one who was a fan of this stuff. Yeah. It was neat. Um, There's little, like, little details. Like, this movie is so full of little amazing details. Like, choosing to have her have this little facial scar is just... I don't... I mean, it doesn't overtly serve a purpose story-wise it's never referenced it doesn't like we don't get some sort of you know flashback or whatever it doesn't need to mean something it just characterizes her Mm -hmm. it gives us a, a sense of who she is that she has had a life of some sort and you can you can interpret that however you want but i think that's a really good lesson in characterization Especially with, I think, with female characters, it's it's so common that they're two-dimensional, you know? And even just having this little scar makes this, this character more dimensional. It, it, and, and there's all sorts of things like that, you know, her, how she dresses, how she speaks, all those things add to that. But, but little details like that, I think, are so important and so often overlooked especially with women for some reason it's like just make them look hot or something is is it seems to be often the default and it's like dude let's let's dig a little deeper let's make them you know have right something to and then them. that actually supports like her alluringness <laughs> even more Absolutely. which is featured yeah. um I liked. I mean, we've we've gotten into this is, and we'll be continuing to talk about how style heavy this is. But what I I, I wanted to point out what worked for me so well in this sort of in comparison was, um, have you seen Beyond the Black Rainbow, the director's previous film from two thousand ten? No. So, so so that one. I mean, we should say who the director is. um, Panos Cosmatos. What a Cosmatos. Old, yeah. old Panos. Uh, we'll learn Sounds how to good. say the name right, but it's a cool name. Yeah, cool Panos, guy. Panos? Um, no idea. So, but his, his, that was the last film he did, and I feel like maybe I just needed to give it a second chance. Maybe I was in the right mood, but what I remember from that one was that it felt like it was too steeped in its homage, where it was an example of the um, substance serving the style, almost. And while Mandy was a complete mm. success in the style serving the substance. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So I'll have to watch that. So definitely, yeah, this was this hit that right balance for me of where it was enough of its Yeah, it wasn't existing because of its style. It didn't get lost in that. And it sort of had a good tonal balance of taking itself seriously when it needed to. But it it like 
it seems so came so close to almost crossing the line in some of the monologues of taking itself too seriously, but it, it worked. It had that weight for it because the style was supporting that substance. I thought, um, I mean, another just sort of more general thing I thought worked about it too. Like, and this is what you could say, this is kind of the litmus test of any good movie too, is it actually, it actually breathed and had, it gave weight and had belief in its moments. I the last film I watched before this one I told you was another horror film, The Thing, mm. the 2011, the the remake reboot right. of The Thing, or which prequel, prequel, yeah, which uh, <laughs> which you, as soon as I said I watched that, Tim, you're just like, oh god, and I'm like, yeah, it was just so like, you know, mediocrely bad, you know, in the sense of it's just so I like forgot about it as soon as I watched it, yeah, but like it's it's a funny <laughs> comparison to make, but it's the last thing I watched, um. As far as, yeah, The Thing 2011, it was just like, I, I just don't care when watching it. Like this moment that should be a huge moment where she's hiding behind the wall from this, this The Thing creature. I'm just like, whatever. It's just this, you know, I just don't care. But like, if if that belief in that moment of there, it's like, oh my God, like this thing's going to get her. Like you have to feel that and put that weight into the film itself, which this did successfully and and that's uh supported by letting it actually breathe you know in moments and um i don't know it's like you you have to love film enough to to accept it's a magical thing and yeah i like thinking like you gotta believe in magic in that sense in order to make it happen in a film well in this this movie this movie is it is so magical in its own like in its construction i one of my favorite parts like there were like it just you know it had me from the beginning um and while get into to like the first half especially worked for me the build up to the mm-hmm. revenge stuff was my favorite section of the film but like all those moments where you feel like out of context maybe they they could be too much or whatever they they worked entirely and one of my favorite moments of that was when she was coming out of the water Remember when it was just sort of setting up their romance together Mm -hmm. and just like the look that she had on her face was just sort of that utter like, uh, you know, I, I accept you. I love you. I am, I'm open to you. And just that was like, you know, took my breath away kind of thing in the theater watching it. Yeah. That, that there's so woman is power, the most powerful force in the universe, you know? And, and and this is important, right? Like story-wise, this is super important because you, in order for Red Miller to go to the lengths that he does for revenge, you have to believe that how he feels about Mandy is, is important enough, is deep enough. Mm-hmm. And having things that make us, the audience, feel like connected to her as a character builds that foundation that when we're like yeah he better go get revenge because we love her too right it allowed us to fall in love with her yeah too so you know and understand why he will do what he does to right to to you know get revenge and it was just such an idyllic like little fantasy they were living like this is a a minor thing in my things that were i don't know if there's a thing that worked for me but their house was so cool i always kind of like dreamed of having a house in a situation like that where it's just like windows everywhere and you're just sleeping under the trees like it's awesome yeah bed on the floor oh so great (laughs) yeah yeah i i lived in a house 
uh, with God. I in this this is in college during the summers. I had a group of friends and I like rented a house for the summer, and it was very in this sort of same vein. It was kind of just a hodgepodge. It's like whoever had built it had just kind of built a room and then added a room and then added a room and like not Winchester House style, but like it was so. 70s it makes it yeah 70s giant hominess yeah and everything's wood and huge like plexiglass windows and just like Mm. such a cool like you feel like it it's because of how it's constructed and where it is because it was in the same sort of like surrounded by forest it feels like it's soaked with it's it's environment. So this film we have the the love of uh wrapping ourselves in the blanket of rock of of uh of, yes. of homey wooden nature houses yeah. and a love of fantasy realms. Yeah. Well, and to that point, there's actually a very quick sequence where we go from um I think oh god, I'm trying to remember. We go from wood no, I'm sorry. So when they're when they're in the bed, when the sky thing happens and you're seeing this like crazy fantasy sky that kind of turns red and it's like wispy clouds and everything and it's oh, all yeah. floating around. That's air, right? The next shot is um is the cliffs. That's earth, right? And then you pan down into the water where they're they're in the the rowboat and that's water and then at the end of that sequence flames build up around them like in in you know front of frame uh you get a it, it, it's like a wipe of that's, flames and it i just sat wow. there going yes that's beautiful it's like the, so what fantasy lore stuff is right it's like magic it's is made from yeah these elements it's so good and 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 understanding their relation to each other and using them yeah to make magic it's like and man i don't know how they shot this movie it just looks so cool i just wanted to bathe in its grit and grain yeah like <laughs> but it's just even like the shot over the water, it doesn't look real in a way. It's it's super tactile. It's con the con it's high contrast. It feels like a painting. And it's just and it's not. <laughs> you know, it's on film. Yeah. It just man, there's so much good shit going on in this. It's the best of movies takes you to a world. Yeah. Here we go. Um I loved like when the uh what do we call them the supernatural monster men oh, demons they have a, a name they're the they're like the black skulls i believe okay but i love that that i mean they were great as far as just being like are they they aren't human but they like can be hurt and you know i'm like are they well like, they are they all, eternal in in actuality it is explained that they are human mm-hmm. right but like Wait. way after we meet them yeah you know what i mean that they're what do you mean it's explained they're human and so so carruthers um the the dude who gives red the crossbow mm-hmm. he explains who the black skulls are he's like they were a biker gang and they did way too much lsd i just took that as um the ones that he was referring to more the human obviously human ones no, I think that specifically is the the biker dudes. Like okay. these these four, is it four of them? Yeah. The the four of them that we meet that when we initially meet them, yeah. We're like 
they're they're like demonic knights well, riding motorcycles, they, right? Though, they're these crazy monsters. I, I don't want to say though that they fully like were just people in our world though. They definitely had a supernatural element. They were dripping with goo. You know, you know? I I agree. I agree. It's sort of taking it like they're they're the result of what once was human. Yeah. You know, and evil and LSD and uh I don't know what else, just magic. And yeah, and it's like, there's such a, there's such a fantasy thing of like, um, what's a good example? I mean, even Gollum is sort of a good example from Lord of the Rings where it's like Gollum was just a hobbit at one point. And, but because of the corruption of the ring, he over time turns into this monster thing. Yeah. That, that's a pretty common you know right of the bit of monsters are just around the corner on the cusp of what we deem this, yeah. you know this inseparable line and and it's and it's we it's left up to, up to us to decide whether or not they are supernatural or not and it doesn't really matter like it felt like because they yeah were. it again puts you in that question of like yeah or puts you in that unshaky ground of like oh where where does this one start and where does this one end yeah um but what i was gonna say specifically about these guys of course i love them in of itself but just a specific thing i loved about them and their appearance was their um their arrival and their use of the motorcycles and four by fours. Yeah. I love like sort of modern technology, like things that exist within mm-hmm. the last hundred years being presented uh, knowingly, like with the, with the powerful iconography that they actually have. Right. Like, you know, we think of a hawk or this, you know, some sort of thing. It has meaning and feel to it, but to take like a guttural deep sounding engine motorcycle, yeah. that's like, you know, only in the last hundred years or whatever, but it's, um, right. But it's, uh, it's real and potent and is need to see, neat to see used. It's just so, it's so cool to, to toe this line between, especially for the audience. It's like, it's keeping you kind of grounded in, yeah, this is modern, but we're going to tell a fantasy story in 1983. So overlapping those two things with modern stuff, you know, I mean, the chainsaws are a perfect example. It's like, it's a long sword versus a normal sword. You know what I mean? But they're fucking chainsaws. Right. Like taking the modern equivalent of fantasy you know objects is fucking awesome you're right it's it's more of just what's so great it's showing us 1983 ad the fantasy is now (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i i feel like we got to mention nick cage you know to somewhat because i i had kind of i realized i mean i still kind of am but fallen into this pessimistic rut of feeling like yeah you know like okay i get it cage is great whatever you've seen it you know or just kind of this idea of actors being they're i mean for all the all the great actors are great i love them for a reason but when they're still cast in something nowadays there's less of that that magic associated with them because it's not like you're watching bruce willis and die hard it's kind of like i know who he is too much you can't just put him in it and it's great kind of thing i'm not just gonna freak out because it's bruce willis it's not him that makes it great so so but going in that you you see so often too really good actors or formerly good i don't know Mm -hmm. they're they're still good but they're they're choosing projects that a probably don't serve them as you know their talents but b 
they're just not good. Like the, the content isn't good. So we get, I feel like I've been lulled into a sense of Nick Cage sucks because he's been in like 20 movies that just are shitty you yeah. know i guess and they're all like one word it's like next and right and it's funny though because later, thinking of my history I, no. like nick cage was actually the exception to what i was talking about where like i was so excited to see sorcerer's apprentice just because of him <laughs> but for i guess i guess where i'm at now I, I was pretty deep in that rut because i'm like you know kind of going into this like okay got it nicholas cage going crazy like yeah you know like right show me like wow me though like yeah and um it's yeah and it, I, what what and i was so happy just because i felt like the litmus test was oh this was we we thought we'd seen them all but this felt like i couldn't imagine or want anyone else to play this role he <laughs> i kept thinking to myself if it's not nick cage who is it <laughs> like who does this and does it well and and what is this movie with somebody else? Yeah, it's not the same. Movie. I don't know. I really, I was like, if, you know, in the hands of a, a lesser sort of filmmaker or, or team, who, who, who does the studio say they want in this? And I was sort of at times, I was like, do they, would they have a cast like a 30 year old sort of like handsome dude, you know, that's like in shape and cool. And I'm like, God, this movie would not work if that's who it was. God, I mean, I don't want to like, defend like, the studios, but I feel like even they would know that that's not a good <laughs> decision on this one. Well, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. But if you're just going sort of paint by numbers, you know, do they cast Ben Affleck? Do they, you know what I mean? Is it like who, who was this written for? Because I know it was not written for Nick Cage. Um, in fact, I was listening to no. something that that he was given this script to play, I think, Carruthers, mm -hmm. just to have this little part, maybe to play Jeremiah. I think Jeremiah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so that makes more sense. And I and I thought to myself, while we're watching it, would he as Jeremiah be as effective? It's sort of like the equivalent of Keanu Reeves in Bad Batch, just having this sort of like um you know figurehead figure yeah <laughs> yeah cameoing in that sense bringing the gravitas where it's needed right and and you know i think this movie could have done f fine with cage as jeremiah i think you know he can no. definitely but do what, that but it it's it showed you how nick cage actually works really well for just kind of being a kind of likable every man when he you know just like all right this logger just kind of you know we yeah. know less about him than we do Mandy as far as his kind of, you know, uh, any any sort of, you know, uh, outward interests, yeah. but like totally feel for him just in the way he looks at her and the way he, you know, is with his friends and says no to the beer, but smoke cigarettes. Right, like, right, yeah. Like little things. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting, you, you get that right off the bat. You're like, he's that guy. Yeah. And okay. I was so happy to have, you know, the scene where they just let, when, when um she's killed and he's what she dies <laughs> and um he's in the bathroom in the shirt and oh my underwear, god this scene drinking which got like this is gonna th this scene i think is gonna kind of go down in history like yeah. it's gonna be a scene that people bring up a it was lot. kind of like the best of a lot of scenes you know some people of his were, it's specifically his scenes right well like, i was gonna his say career kind of like some of the best of them um, scenes in this kind of movie or this kind of tone tonal balance were people some people are laughing and some people aren't mm. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and both responses are, are okay. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It is such a cool scene. It's you're so the, you know, up to that point, obviously we're, we're talking about the, 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 he, the scene that, that pretty much follows his wife being killed. He goes into a bathroom and looks for a bottle of vodka and then drinks from the bottle of vodka and has a meltdown. Right. We hope you've just watched it. Right. So he, we've been in this very sort of specific visual world up to that point. Um, I'd say, God, if I had to guess, I'd say majority of it's shot probably on like a 55 millimeter lens. It's very like we're in kind of the real world i mean there's so much going on visually in terms of effects and filters and like lighting and whatever but everybody looks pretty much like they exist in a in a real space you know there's no distortion to that other than special effects but i mean specifically like how we see them in the lens Mm -hmm. so there's this grounded kind of sense in regards to the lens and then we go into this quite small bathroom and it is almost fisheye lens and it om- and like the the wallpaper is this very yellow and i guess brown uh geometric sort of repeating shape thing yeah it almost and it's it's pretty center shot it almost feels like Wes Anderson suddenly and it's this weird like it is we are in a totally different realm suddenly and it's so it's such a good lesson to me in 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 how you film a moment in regards to what's going on in the story like this moment is different than everything else up to that point and so suddenly you can make that choice as a director to change your lens and like put the character in a completely different environment than what we've seen them in before for specifically for this moment well i think this like um well this will elucidate well how it's um how you can do that same effect of being transportive dependent you know with with both kinds of lenses like you gave the example there of a wider having a wider space bringing you into that space Hmm. but the the closer feel you're saying while it does work in some areas to make you feel more grounded in it like one of my favorite moments was when you had that tighter perspective on jeremiah lying in the bed and when he was telling mm-hmm. them to go find Mandy for him. Yeah, yeah. And it, was, it wasn't it was until the end of the scene, I believe, where I missed it if it was up front, where you sort of start moving back a little and having more of a sense of space. But just by being in on his face and yeah. tight and not showing the space that you're in, that's kind of like a classic but effective way to make you feel uh, not so grounded, but to get the, the mood sure. of the space and just to feel like you know exactly where... <laughs> You know exactly where you are, but you don't. I don't know how to right. say and, it. And I think what I what I mean in t- when I'm saying grounded, I guess it's just you're not going to the extremes of distortion. You mm-hmm. know, like you're staying in sort of this middle area where it's like we're it's reality. Like it's shot the way the eye sees, you know, is around. I mean, I guess there's debate over this, but it's around a 50 or 55 millimeter lens generally when you're trying to get close to what Mm -hmm. we see. And so obviously you do that because you never think about it. And even if you're in a close up, you you're not using like remember in Willard when they go way close up on his face, it's like his whole face distorts because they're using this wide lens. Mm -hmm. And so 
you could have put a camera with a 55 in his face and his face would still just sort of look like his face and it wouldn't have that distorted effect and you know when they put the camera right up on jeremiah there's no distortion it's like we we're just in you know real Mm -hmm. feeling real space and then we back out so it's like you're getting kind of a traditional um set of shots even even in this insofar as like even if you're really really close up you are popping out to sort of a two shot and then you're popping out to sort of more of a like a master of like where he is eventually to get context and, mm-hmm. and it's just to to take a left turn into something that's so drastically different is so pleasing in a way in 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 a bunch of ways because it it lends itself to the moment and because it's different and because it's heightened and all these things are playing at just really, really good, like technical storytelling Mm -hmm. and, and, and progressive storytelling. Do you think, um, the, the, the sort of, uh, nervous laughter that him freaking out and drinking, it was mostly because he just kept drinking from the bottle that people, I think was kind of, people were laughing. Do you think it would have that same, elucidate that same effect for people if um it wasn't that wide lens and hanging out that way if it was just sort of a tight on his face i don't think so no yeah because because you're getting the whole story in that wide shot right you're seeing him top to bottom you're seeing that he's i think is he he's wearing socks right he's (laughs) got socks on tidy whities and a three-quarter like sort of baseball shirt with a tiger on it yeah and and he's bloody, like his hands are bloody and his face is bloody and whatever. But imagine you shot that, you know, with sort of close up, medium, close up, medium, close up, whatever, mm-hmm. right? You were kind of in there or, or, or with inserts, right? Like if he had reached into the, the drawer and we get an insert of what's in the drawer, like all of that stuff I think would hurt right. the, the kind of the, the momentum of, and, and the overall effect of that scene because when you're sitting out and just watching somebody behave without cutting away there's you get a you 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 i think we it, pity voyeur, them a bit it's more voyeurism, you know what i mean right? like it's it's like you're looking through a window yeah. at this entire scene right so we you're not the, in the room necessarily with them it's rather than feeling for them as i said we pity them more like yeah. it's um they they're they're on display for us yeah um i just think it's i have just a few (laughs) i feel like i just want to get through the last few kind of specific things i really enjoyed about it because this episode's holy shit i've been looking at the timer yeah um the i loved the flow i so i did say i loved that i will say the first half is my favorite of it it was when the, the the mood was making it all that much Mm -hmm. more powerful for me. And it sort of lived and soaked in being a little more, not risky, but bold in its, its mood settingness. But what I loved about the second half is after, you know, starting with the scene we were just talking about after Mm -hmm. she dies was the flow of events where it was the, him escaping, getting out and then getting weaponized. Then it's like, we have the excitement of he's going to go and get them, but he's immediately captured. So it sort of was a just, Good little rug pull from out from underneath us. Escaped again. First fight, fought off the biker demon people. Right. Then um, 
he went and got the tip from the chemist and didn't kill him, which was kind of like a nice kind of, it was kind of like the break and a breather from like, just, you know, that's important for if you're having these sort of showpiece action scenes. I like that, you know, split up the, the demon people and then the human, um, the human members of this, 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 this tribe. Right. Um, and then, yeah, and then built perfectly the the ending set piece. So it was just kind of a nice but done well plotting yeah. of those events. And I then liked um, the ending, uh, how how the, the church that they were building for themselves so was an actual church. Like, yeah. I had been skeptical of him referring to them as Jesus freaks before. I'm like, wait, yeah. I thought they were more kind of like hippie freaks would be right. more apparent or, or more appropriate. Um, but then to get in that room and see they're building a church with the actual cross right. window effigy and like something that, you know, looks like the Bible in front. I'm like, oh, it kind of just, I don't know. It just kind of effectively muddled who exactly they That's were right. for me. Yeah. Um, and then I liked uh, the the drug trip scene. I feel like we should touch on a little bit where they, oh, they give man. her the... They give her the LSD in the yep. eye and then the um the, the like giant bug sting, which is the cherry on top as she likes Apparently. to put it. Um but I mean I mean it was so it was so good with the with the trails and everything, yeah. but I just specifically wanted to mention I loved the guy holding the record and then just that little bit of the monologue yeah. about putting on the music and and the because like there's music and this sort of ties into the whole, I guess, a lot of what this movie is, but just there's such a power and magic to music that yeah. like in that state, I'm sure it's especially more apparent of it as a transportive medium. Yeah. 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 So like to have that weight given to like the physical record, like anyone collects records kind of knows totally. like, Oh, that's real. That's there. And when he puts it on, jumps ahead to it, it's like casting a spell that they're yep. getting caught up on. And that's, that's not, not real. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, there's some, oh God, like we, mm. There's so many things that it's sort of like I said at the beginning. It, it, it it's this it's it's got homage and it's got nostalgia, it, it, but it's not one thing. It's like all of the things that existed around that time period, which it's just you know like I could usually you could be like oh this movie is kind of like this and this. Right. Like you can pick a couple things that are in its same lane or like its same genre or, you know, that are potentially uh, derivative. It's derivative of this is like everything I remember from, you know, mid 70s to mid 80s. Right. The animated sequences. Right. Like I where mean, it has that, those heavy metal influences. They were just used sporadically and just as as touches. Dude. But we're great because I could, you know, you could think like. It's got stuff from Legend. It's got stuff from Mad Max. It's got stuff from The Hills Have Eyes. It's, you know, you could just go on and on about right. things that it's it's. So you almost can't say that it's. Uh, it's certainly not derivative, and you can't say that it's. I mean, I guess you could say it's homage, but it's not specific. It's just sort of taking all of the things of that era right. and kind of mixing them up and and. Well, that's that's shaking it up. That's into the one function thing. of I love it. That's the function of art, right? And it's good art, right? It's just suggestions of of tonal things, that, combinations that were awesome. of pre- new new combinations of previous things. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, um, I think God. that's all the specific things I have. We should move to our other sections. <laughs> okay, yeah, we should they, go see this movie though. Like, we could go. I could seriously probably talk about what, what I loved about <laughs> this. 
for five or six hours. Any one last thing to say your piece on, though? <sighs> um, uh, chainsaw fight. <laughs> it's so metal. It's so metal. I fucking love it. It's so fucking metal. <laughs> and with that uh let's talk about if there was anything that didn't work for us let's go to it it's not ready yet seems to work okay no something important's missing what did not work <laughs> there are two deaths I don't even know if it's that it didn't work. It just kind of made me tilt my head. There are two deaths that you actually don't see the the weapon uh like executing the death. So the big spiked uh black skull motorcycle guy, they uh, red and him have a fight in a living room. And there's cocaine everywhere. It's great. And and he has this giant, like, sword cod piece. I mean, there's just a lot going on. And it's great. And there's, like, a porn in the background that's on the whole time. It's so good. Uh, shit, we're in things that didn't work. Okay, so Nick Cage uses a, um, what do you call that? A, uh, uh, um, an, not an exacto knife. What do you call it? A box cutter. He uses a box cutter to, to kill that guy ultimately. You don't see the act of him stabbing that guy in the throat with it. It's not in shot at all. And I found that kind of weird. What's in shot is just suddenly the guy is gushing blood from his neck. I felt like we neck. saw his motion like close to the neck, but kind, it was sort of from behind it, it, yeah, or to the it's, side. It's, it's obscured by his body. The way, like the angle that we're at is on the other side of of the biker dude getting stabbed and he's stabbed out of camera mm-hmm. presumably because <laughs> suddenly his neck just starts pouring blood into Nick Cage's face. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just a little unconventional, I guess, that you don't see the actual impact of that or get get a visual context of that that's what happened. And so whatever at the time I just sort of was like, oh that's a thing. You didn't see it. Didn't really matter. But then it happens again with the chainsaw fight. Like you set he the director sets up that the long chainsaw is on the ground and running, like at least thirty seconds before the act of Nick Cage pulling him onto it happens. But when he pulls him onto the the chainsaw, you don't get that shot where. You know, you see him falling toward the chainsaw, like the chainsaw's in frame and you 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 get that. Oh, shit. Here it comes. He just pulls him down like we're left to kind of just. I guess assume it's a pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, obvious assumption (laughs) that he's falling on a thing. But I just thought it was interesting that you don't see the object. Action scenes are hard. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it makes me think it was purposeful. Yeah, I, don't I mean, I like a purpose. But I, I yeah. guess I, 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 the reason I say it potentially didn't work for me is that I, I, I guess I just want to see that that cut of yeah. the object right before. And it, for yeah, talking about this things that didn't work section, I feel like you know I do this every once in a, once in a while, but I have to mention again, this is just what didn't 
work for me seeing it this first time. Mm. Like, I feel like whatever I'm about to say, either it could have to do with that I'm not 10 years younger, or it could be that um, I do just need to see it again now that I've accepted for what it is. But like the gore and the fighting, like those fight scenes, they were great and they were like satisfying, but just to an extent, there was a little bit of like, like whatever magic I felt when watching kind of like, you know, Sam Raimi, Peter Jackson or early movies, you know, sort of mm-hmm. with this, this was, you know, almost in the same vein of just those, that kind of gore happening. It just, it just, I think, and this is why I say maybe if I was younger and sort of discovering these movies mm-hmm. side by side, sure. but like it didn't jazz me up or rev me up in the same way That's um, interesting, yeah. as, as those did just cause like, I don't know. I felt like the, the first half was so good and so effective for me that I don't think the second half even like could have could have like paid off what it was almost promising. Mm, interesting. Just in how powerful the the the, the moments could be. Um, yeah. It just sort of felt like it was we had set up these dominoes and now we're just knocking them over and it's fun and fine and is beautiful and fun to watch play out. But it's it wasn't keeping me like drawn in as much huh. or it didn't keep me. It didn't make me want to like raise my fists in the air. I mean, it was still. It was, it's hard because again, it's, 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 I still loved it. Like yeah. it was still great. Like I loved it when the ax was like thrown into the guy's face and <laughs> all that stuff. And, um, you know, the stabbed in the mouth Ooh, yeah. with the end of the ax, like it was all, it was all cool and great, but it just wasn't, I think I'm just a, maybe a little bit more that, that skeptical rut. That's hard to break me out of when I see movies, even that are this good now. Well, and to be fair, the first half of this movie is so its own thing and it's got a pace that is its own thing you don't see movies at that pace almost at all anymore like it is drawn out and very purposefully and it creates this I think quote unquote drawn out I feel like everything else is sped up what do you mean everything else like the second half no meaning other movies that you're saying typical movies are I totally agree I'm I'm just comparatively yeah. This is so like, slow. Yes. In re, you know. Well, just to, just to just to just just to put it a different way, I like putting it as this movie was perfectly paced, like Black Klansman was kind of way to like make me feel like I was in a world watching a movie. Sure. Versus Jurassic World, the uh, the Marvel movies. Right, right, I'm just right. like okay, the thing 2011. Yeah. Great things are happening. Nothing's important. Right. Like this. The the scene. The content of the scene is more important than getting to the next scene. Wait, so what didn't work for you? Sorry, I kind of. Cut so what you I was gonna say is the the first half is really in this tone and and pace, and then the second half post the bathroom scene, it's a little more traditional. Like, gotta like you said, gotta get through all of the the combatants. You know, like pick them off one by one. Like have your fights. It's 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 boss battles. You know, escalating through, you know each domino to get to the to the main boss and and finalize it and that's a like it really is just sort of a like not paint by numbers but it's a we know that formula yeah and i think i think it's fine well i like it it, but but to your point it 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 diverts away from what the first half of the movie is quite drastically not not in a i mean i don't think it's in a bad way it's just those are two different things yeah well i appreciated the expediency behind it 
Like I did, I felt, I did too. So so I guess more what I'm saying is this sort of in the moment to moment. Let's see. I wish they found more ways to subvert expectations. Maybe okay, yeah. just like during the chainsaw fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like I could have used just a little more like. Maybe he gets injured in another way or, you know, just something to like sure. when you're watching it with good action movies to get you caught up in it. Yeah. You know, I had a thought at one point when he cuts the head off of the, the last biker dude and the head's on fire and he finds a cigarette and he needs to light the cigarette. I really he just sort of holds the cigarette next to the, the head and, and lights it that way. I really, really wanted him to take the pick side of that axe, impale the head and hold it up and light the cigarette off of it. I, I would have loved that, that, that Tim, happen. because because as soon as that he pulled out the cigarette, I knew he was going to do something like that. He did. So when it happened, I just didn't care. W- but if he did what you did, then it would be like that little bit of just exceeding subverting expectations. I want- that would be great, Tim. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder a little bit if this is like you can't you can't have it all in a way like you don't have you. you I imagine that this director is th- – this movie is, I think – well, I don't know. But I'm assuming this movie is incredibly complex to make. It's yeah. so specific down to, you know, like how they're – These scenes are hard to make. They, like yeah. Like action to scenes, get things special to, effects scenes. Yeah, to get thing, this movie to look the way it does, that that's a tall, tall order and takes a really, really masterful but, I mean, director. And so I think mm-hmm. what, what you can say, you can kind of give him a pass a little bit, or maybe you shouldn't, but you can see why a thing like that doesn't happen. And no, I, I, I don't know, though, because like you – like you just gave a perfect example. Like if he's if he's coming from such a place of, you know, combining all these old things, feels, tropes, homage, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing that to serve to serve, you know, the the whole movie in all these great ways we've mentioned, then in the screenwriting it would be neat just in the okay, so I am doing a fight scene that goes back to my love of these, you know, right. Conan fight scenes or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like so what do I do so it's not just exactly those before, as sure. awesome as it was? That's, you know, the Tarantino effect. Like, you still make it sub- successful by playing with our modern expectations. Right. And exactly that. I think if he had used the the axe to, to <laughs> cut off the head, then light a cigarette, that would have made me go, great. Otherwise, it did just play out exactly yeah. as I saw. And that's in a... That's in the writing phase of it. And also, for all we know, they shot it that way and something about (laughs) it didn't feel right and they just made a choice. We don't know, but... That's true, but it's still not But if you wanted this movie to be, you know... Then I would just cut that moment, you know, don't... Well, sure, yeah. If you you wanted this movie to be the ultimate metal movie... you impale that head and light your cigarette (laughs) off of it. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, it could just be when you're making... You know, when you're making it, like, so much successfully banked on this sort of new reappropriation of this the style mm-hmm. that it can be easy to overlook or right. forget things in the screenwriting stage of how totally. it also applies to that level yeah. which like a good example is like i just said of how um i mean example where it wasn't this where it worked well was like having him when he sets off to fight them and you know with the with the crossbow and everything and then immediately gets captured yeah like that was a good keeps us in it so that's i guess to to bring it all back to the saying in a more micro sense in the fracases themselves in the Mm -hmm. last the second Mm -hmm. half i wish there was a little more to kind of uh i don't know it felt like it was playing out in a way where i saw each scene happening as soon as it started yeah yeah Um, i get that that was it can we get to things of note 
do you have anything else that's kind of nitpicky for you? Because that's mm, what it would be for this really. one. Uh... Let's do it then, because this is long. Okay. <laughs> Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. Well, something that was noteworthy to me, Tim, was when we sat down or we were sitting down to record this. I asked you, great, are you all set? You have what in mind, you, what worked for you? And you said this movie was a different one for you yeah. as far as uh, going into it with what you want to talk about. What did you mean by that? Well, generally, I'm I'm pretty like it, it, when I started uh, sort of studying screenwriting and, and, and directing and, and storytelling and all that stuff, a sort of a shift of how I look, how I watch movies happened. And, you know, early on when, when you're just learning, a, you know, structure and you're learning like the ins and outs of certain things, you're, you're really tuned in to, to looking for those things. And I found that two things were happening. One was I was, in a way, almost enjoying the movie less, even if I was like, oh, cool, they're doing what I've just learned. But I wasn't watching the movie just to watch the movie and sort of enjoy it. And also, when I would watch movies with friends, I'd be compelled to sort of point those things out just for my own sort of edification and to be like, oh, cool, I learned a thing and they're doing the thing. Like, isn't that awesome? And people would be like, it's really fucking annoying. Can you stop doing that? Like, and just watch the movie. This movie, I does it, it it like eliminated that part of me in a way because the world is so deeply constructed that I'm like I'm on the ride I can I could probably spend a lot of time focusing on those things technically and like making notes about them but honestly I it would be a like a fucking novel for me to write down everything that you know sort of filmmaking wise it would be never ending i was like i can't even write notes for this like it's it was such a visceral experience that i like and we're we're you know we're going way longer than we usually do because i could just go on and on and on about it like i don't need notes so it was the fact that this is <laughs> a, a buy it the first one of the totally it's the buy it yeah I mean, I mean that's really it it's such a it, <laughs> it's 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 a it's such a bath that i'm in you know like i feel like i'm this movie is like the the warmest most amazing bath of Which of filmmaking this is why i tell you you gotta i gotta see more of the classics the five star classics in theaters yeah i wonder how much the theater part of this matter because i considered watching it because you can you can um like you can buy this movie on amazon now like while it's in theater so um choosing to go see it in the theater rather than doing that i think was a very good okay. decision i mean you know i'm a proponent i know you are yeah. i I've, i like watching movies by myself at home so <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it great well that was a thing of note for me was that you said that going into this episode <laughs> so that's it that's your thing of note. no yeah i mean that that was a thing of note i wrote down that's as hilarious. soon as you said it um a thing of note i thought was uh I had heard of uh well this com this is the first film that I've heard of that was partially funded by a fan owned investment company saw called that. Legion yeah. M yeah which I've heard, heard of them yeah, yeah yeah I'd heard about it I think I saw like someone from there give a talk once or something 
But uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting and noteworthy because, yeah. you know, I wanted to be skeptical about it like anything of like, all right, well, what kind of good movies are they going to let through? What will this help make? And hey, it helped lead to Mandy. So that's pretty yeah, right. cool. Um, I have, um, so the the actor that plays Carruthers, you have that as a thing? Yeah. Okay, cool. He's awesome. He's in Predator. I yeah. for, what's his name? Um, uh, Bill Duke. Uh, yeah, thank you, Bill Duke. He's great. Yeah, I immediately like recognized him from something I didn't know, but then it's like, yeah. oh god, Predator! He's yep. got those eyes. I know, man. He's he's that so sunken good. face and those yep. eyes, and looks pretty similar to how he did thirty. He years knows ago he's lost. Whatever. He's lost weight, like you know, as you do as you get older a lot yeah. of the time. But that's it. Like not in a bad way. He's just a, a slightly thinner dude. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did I have? Uh, uh, a sort of a sad thing at the end of the the movie. They say in in memory of i think his name is johan johannes who's the, the composer. composer yeah i guess he died before this was released yeah which is a bummer well the score is great i mean yeah, the, or the the music is great i'm sure it's available on vinyl oh my god Go buy it yes <laughs> what uh <laughs> I, I want that well thank you for your work and um yeah fitting fitting uh last job so definitely I, I mean i hope the could have been a, I mean, I'm sure Panos's films are going to be, you know, more and more in this vein. I hope he makes yeah. his uh, oh Conan or Kroll movie next. Right. And it's, will be sad that Johan Johannes um, yeah. can't join for it. But thank you for your work here. Um, the, I, uh, I thought it was interesting when this is kind of coming off of uh, how you said at the beginning, this theater is a good place where to see movies at. People seem into the movies in. I thought it was interesting, noteworthy. Um, people feel a little too like cool to clap these days when you see a movie but are <laughs> yeah. like one i'd say the audience was maybe a quarter full of a relatively small theater yeah maybe a third i don't know i was yeah it's pretty i, I want to say that yeah. you know but yeah. i felt like yeah anyway there's people enough people clapped at the end was into Definitely. it and someone even said like that was great right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, I thought that was neat. Something, something you kind of only see at repertory theaters sure. or old movies nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was cool. Um, I only have, have one anything? more noteworthy thing. Do you have anything else? Mm, no, I think that's it for me. I'm sure. I mean, sure, but no. There's. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to mention that um, there is a a quote that I recognize that was reappropriated in this film and I just wanted to give some context to it and it was a quote that was cut off which if there's meaning behind that let's leave that open to interpretation but when he you know the guy that he stabs in the mouth with Mm -hmm. the end of the axe Mm -hmm. he was in the middle of saying the quote it's better to burn out than to fade away oh sure when referring to Mandy burning on fire which I think was I guess that's you know why he's worth being stabbed in the mouth. That's a too much of a literal take <laughs> on that that quote. But that is actually um, I'm a huge Neil Young fan, and mm-hmm. that quote is from I believe it's originally from this. He wrote it, mm-hmm. but from his song "Hey Hey My My," yep. like out of the blue into the black. Um, so great song if you haven't heard yeah. it. And uh, why is Neil Young again just going back trees? to how seeped in the era mm-hmm. this movie is? It's just it's. You know, from all angles, it's it's getting in there, and, and it's it's so well layered and constructed to sort of just live in that time. Mm-hmm. It's so good, and uh, it's, a little it's so good. A little more context though with that quote too is it became 
more infamous in the sense that it was in Kurt Cobain's oh, suicide yeah. note. That's right. Which I know Neil Young made him feel pretty, pretty kind mm. of, but it bummed him out as it as it as it would and should. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, any recommend recommendations? I do have one, totally unrelated, but I've been reading the novel Under the Skin. Um. Which it, oh damn it I forget the name of the author ah anyway it's easy to find um, which they made a movie of uh, Jonathan Glazer I think was the director I think that's right uh, which I love the movie too but read the, read definitely read the book the book is really cool and weird and like it's otherworldly but it takes place in like modern Scotland. It's trippy and cool and freaky and weird and like you don't know what's going on, but it's so good. And then and then go watch the movie because the movie's great. Great. Mine is I brought a little postcard here from when I saw it. Oh, don't yeah. leave home, an Irish urban legend, and it's hmm. uh, by the filmmaker whose previous two films I really loved. His name's Michael Tully, oh, and he yeah. made the film called Septian and ping pong summer and now <laughs> this film which talk about 80s homage but being its own beautiful thing watch ping pong summer but okay. that's not my recommendation because this is i figured more horror themed if you can tell by the poster yeah. don't leave home a wonderfully atmospheric waking nightmare says the verge Ooh. um and it's available in theaters and on demand i saw it at the uh, the arena cine lounge mm-hmm. got to see it in theaters and it was cool because i don't want to say it was anything like excellent or revelatory in any way but it felt like it was just trying to be its own thing so like enough that it was that was enjoyed it so much for that and the sort of level of horror that it hit felt more like a um i think like this even mentioned this in some interviews but like a sort of old like disney horror movie something wicked this way comes kind Mm. of vibe but also for me felt very like if you were to watch are you afraid of the dark nowadays you know and turn it on you're like oh my god you know this is so bad this is terrible (laughs) but this was like an example of being able to watch one of those episodes as an adult it felt like a actually good again it had you know it went for it with the music yeah and had this creepy irish countryside with like these obviously suspect um suspect Older people as the as you know you don't trust um (laughs) don't trust old people but i just wanted to yeah give this movie (laughs) some love and say recommend edit to watch it because it's it's if you're gonna watch the thing 2011 or don't leave home watch this was way (laughs) way more worth your while to see something that was going for something and and pretty successfully doing it and this is one overall super creepy atmosphere but a pretty you know it reaches a good horror moment and a few parts so check it out cool man great um we're we're about to skip into past ryan and tim introducing next week's episode because we we watched the cured and um oh yeah we're now we're recording this one out of order in our release so take it away uh future ryan and tim past ryan and tim (laughs) yeah so we're gonna go back to the theaters for the first time since insidious for the last key but this time, so <laughs> initially we were thinking like the only thing that I could find that horror wise that came out in February was the Winchester House movie, which we saw the trailer for in front of Insidious, and we're like, "Oh, Tim, do we have to go see this one?" And I thought, uh, "We, I guess we do," but we don't because well, we found another movie that's a horror movie that looks actually good. 
<laughs> yeah, and what's it called? It's called The Cured, and it's uh, it's got Ellen Page. And Ellen it's playing Page. at the New Art Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, well, or it probably was because we're sort of um, backlogging these episodes, um, oh, these yeah, first episodes. True. But that's where I saw Raw and a Troll 2 screening and oh the, docu- the documentary on Troll 2, a screening oh. of that. Um, it's a fun theater. Cool. I've so, never been there. I'm oh, excited. Great. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, The Cured, uh, directed by David Frayne. Check it out and talk about it with us. Yeah. All right, well, have a good one. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>